you no spring chicken. <laughs> That's the first thing my neighbor said to me when I told her I was pregnant. Can you believe that? Maybe she just didn't believe me, but I don't, I don't hold it against her. She'd been a tad bit cranky ever since she found that scorpion in her girdle drawer. <laughs> Maybe she just didn't realize what a miracle this was for me. I mean, Zachariah and I had been trying to have a child of our own our whole lives. By the time most of my hair had turned gray and Zachariah's had turned loose, we had given up hope. But nothing is impossible for God. <laughs> he seems to delight in making life out of barren places. And as if that wasn't enough, the angel who brought us this unbelievable news had even more to say. This child, our son, would be used by God to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. This was all too much of a gift to be real. And then I thought, well, how am I going to train this child for a job like that? God had those details covered too. And it keeps getting better. When I was about six months along, my cousin Mary came for a visit. And no sooner had she said hello than this unborn son jumped and flipped inside of me. Right then, God just opened my eyes so that I could clearly see that this young girl standing in my home was also with child, and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. About nine months later, we got the news from Bethlehem. I looked over at Zachariah holding our very own miracle baby. I had one of those God moments. <laughs> you know, when you just realize, you say, God just had different plans. He had brought us life in barren places. He hadn't forgotten about us. And he would never leave us alone again. God is making life in barren places. You see on the cover of your bulletin, we're talking about the first Christmas these weeks and looking at stories from the birth of Jesus. And we're going to look at the story of Elizabeth today. So if you have your sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, get a pen out, get ready to take some notes. And you can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 because that's where we'll be this morning as we look at the story of Elizabeth. But God is making life in barren places. When you watch the news, and it looks like there's chaos, and that God is just leaving us to ourselves, God is making life in barren places. When your relationship with your spouse is at an all-time low, God is making life in barren places. 
When your children are completely out of control, God is making life in barren places. When your parents just don't understand, God is making life in barren places. When you go to that dead-end job and you wonder what it's all about, God is making life in barren places. When you don't have a job to go to, God is making life in barren places. When you're praying and you don't see answers, God is making life in barren places. When you look at Thanksgiving and Christmas and you think, shouldn't this be a time of joy and peace? God is making life in barren places because there is nothing too hard for our God. God delights in bringing life in barren places. When I use the word barren, what comes to mind? It's a word we used to use for women who couldn't have children. It's a horrible word that you don't hear it used that way anymore, but Elizabeth had heard it. She had heard it for years. She had heard it from others. She had heard it in her own mind and in a time and a culture when a woman's worth, when her value was based on how many children she had. In a time and a culture when if you had more children, God was happy with you. He loved you. You were blessed. And if you had no children, he was angry with you. You must have done something wrong and you were being punished. It's where we find the story of Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. And let me read part of the story to you, and you can read the entire chapter this week as you prepare for the coming of Christ at Christmas. But let me begin at verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Skipping down to verse 11, when Zechariah is making a sacrifice, it says in verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. This is John the Baptist. This is the, the one that will be the forerunner to Jesus. And, and he goes on to talk. The angel talks about how great John is until verse 18, where Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife also is well along in years. How can this be? It's too late. How is this possible to make life in a barren place? When I think of the word barren, I think of wasteland, I think of desert, I think of wilderness. And immediately I start thinking of the Old Testament and Moses and the children of Israel. In the wilderness, 
They had seen God's hand. Miraculously delivered from Egypt and manna every day. But there came a time where they ran out of water and they began to grumble and complain. And so they were forming this committee. Let's turn around and go back to Egypt committee. And Moses said, would you please give them a drink of water? And so God said, okay, tap that rock. And so he does. And a lot of times we think, okay, the the rock and some water starts coming out. But this is not like a, a flow from a drinking fountain where everybody could go up and get a drink. There are millions of people that needed water. Their livestock needed water. Imagine the gusher that is coming from that rock. Imagine like Niagara Falls coming out of that rock. Why? Because our God gives life in barren places. And in Exodus it said that God gave them water abundantly. Because that's our God. He gives abundant life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God wants you to have life, not just abundant life, life more abundantly because that's the kind of God we serve. He makes life in barren places. This is the life that God wants for us. Last Sunday, God was moving at the end of our service in a powerful way and a couple people had visions and came up and talked to me at the end of the service. And one of the people was Damon. He came up and he shared this vision the Lord had given us for our church. And we were in a, a barren place. The community was barren. It was brown. It was a wilderness. And God sent a storm cloud with rain. And then everything that was brown began to turn green. And what was barren, God gave life. And I saw that. And as he was talking, my, my heart just left that God is bringing our church into life, new life. But it's not just our church, it's all of our lives. That is our God. He makes life in barren places. But the reality is, is that most of us wake up every day with one of two things. Oh man, today is going to be so difficult. There's so much going on. And immediately, before our feet ever hit the floor, before our head ever comes off the pillow, We're making the list of what we need to do. We're beginning to worry and wonder. And maybe we're checking our phone and we're doing all those things and it's just overwhelming. In the video we saw a miracle of a brand new day and we're already worried about what's going to happen. Or we have a wonderful day. Good things are happening in our life. It's so good. But then we're just going to wait for the other shoe to drop. Something bad's going to happen because it's just too good. It's too perfect. And so what what horrible thing is going to happen to me now? We've all been there in those scenarios, but what does Elizabeth say in the video? I love what she said. God had the details covered. God had the details covered. He had a plan. Because sometimes it's easy to look at our life and look around at what's happening and think that God has somehow forgotten about us. It's easy to do that when we look at the circumstances, when we look at our life. Well, maybe God's just forgotten about me. Let me tell you, God has the details covered. And he has a plan that is really, really good. Maybe we thought, well, we'll just, we'll end up being alone forever. Maybe we thought, well, I'll just, I guess I'll just have to handle this on my own. All right, there's no way out. I, I thought I had it figured out, but it doesn't, 
look like it, let me tell you, God's got the details covered. God has other plans. Think of a time in your life when you were going through something awful, something overwhelming. And you get to the other side and you look back and, and you say, oh, God was with me through that time. God has been with me through that journey. And I'm stronger now because God was doing something in my life during that difficult time. Somehow God was making me stronger. Maybe you went through what you went through and now you can help other people. And you're on the other side and you're like, yes, thank you, God, that I now know the pain so I can speak into somebody's life and our misery becomes our ministry. Maybe... God just says the time's not right yet. You need to wait a little bit longer. It's, it's not ready yet, so be patient. Be patient. Wait. I am going to answer your prayer, but just not right now. The timing's not perfect. It's not yet, so just wait a little bit longer. The problem is we don't wait well, do we? I was preparing these messages at a seminary library, and I remember my days in seminary libraries where... We did these research papers, these amazing research papers that were incredibly long. And back then, they, you had to go to what they called a card catalog. You guys remember that? Yeah. These things you pulled out, little index cards in there. And that's how you did your research. And we'd spend hours at the card catalog before we ever looked for books. There were no computers to tell you where the books were and if they were even there. I mean, you just went through that. You did it by subject and authors and all these different things. And you're like, it's so much easier now. But anyway. Um, we did that. That was the research we had to do. And I'm sitting in the library now and I'm thinking, most kids ask their phone a question and if it doesn't answer in four seconds, they start getting angry. It's like, we don't wait well. But Elizabeth and Zachariah had to wait their whole life. They were waiting for a very long time. But then when it happened, Elizabeth describes that God moment. We've had those in our life, haven't we? When everything comes together, it all falls into place. We're in the right place at the right time, and it feels wonderful. But let me tell you this. God is not a God of moments. He's a God of always. He is working his plan. And so stop waiting for the big God moment and realize that you're living in a God moment that's leading you to those places where everything comes together. But every moment is a God moment because he is with you. And he has promised you life more abundantly. Even in the desert and even in the wilderness, there is his presence with you every Moment, And maybe you can't see the miracles, but know that he is with you in every step of the journey. What do we learn from this story? And I'm going to ask you to write these things down. How do we apply this to our lives? Going back to Luke chapter 1. What are five things here that we learn? The first thing is, is it's never too late. It's never too late. Zachariah. He thought it was way too late. It, that, that is not going to happen anymore. There was a time it could have happened, but not anymore. But God brings life in barren places. 
And Romans 8, 28 says, God's working it together for good. Just, just hold on. Keep going. Don't give up. It's never too late. When you're with God, it's never too late. Second thing we learn is that God hears our prayers. So what the angel says to Zechariah, to Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. Zechariah is probably like, I haven't prayed that one for years. It's like, yeah, he knows your heart. He's heard it. And God has the details covered. How's this going to happen? He starts arguing with the angel, and it's like, just, you need to be quiet for a while, Zechariah. Because God's got the details covered. He has a plan. So know that God hears your prayers. There's one thing Jesus teaches us in the Gospels is never stop praying. Never stop believing. Keep going. Number three, stay obedient, righteous, and blameless. I love that. Stay obedient, righteous, and blameless. That's what it says about Elizabeth and Zechariah, that they obeyed God, that they were blameless, that they were righteous people. When everybody around looked at them and probably thought there's something wrong with them because they don't have children, they never stopped obeying. They never stopped. And that's the hardest thing is sometimes being obedient in the midst of the desert, in the midst of the wilderness. It's easier to complain, but, but keep obeying. Don't stop. Keep believing. Number four, God is doing a good work. That's what we learned from the story. God is doing a good work. They were blessed by God. They were favored by God. God was watching out, waiting for the right moment, waiting for the right time. They were blessed. They were led by the Holy Spirit and full of the Holy Spirit. And God was doing a good work even in their barren place. Number five, when you have questions, let faith have the deciding vote. When you have questions, let faith have the deciding vote. There will be times in your life when you are overwhelmed. And it is a wilderness like none other. And you begin to question, you begin to grumble, complain, wonder. And you're like, is this the time to give up? Is this the time to move on? Is, this just, is it just over now? Don't give up. Let faith have the deciding vote. Because the devil can challenge God's word, but he can't change God's word. And he's going to continually challenge you day after day, and you're in your wilderness, and he's going to keep pushing you and taunting you, and you're going to be like, well, is this the time to give up? Is this the time? It's just not going to happen for me. It happens in other people's lives and different miracles, but not for me. Let faith have the deciding vote. Say, no, I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep walking blameless before God. Because Elizabeth eventually says, the Lord has done this for me. I love that. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. God was with me all along. He's done this. This is what he did in my life. It's his favor. It's his blessing. Because God delights. He delights in making life in barren places. And he does it all of the time. And so when you feel as though your soul is in that barren place, 
and you're in that wilderness, remember and get this picture of Moses tapping on that rock. And when he taps on that rock, it is not just a little trickle like a drinking fountain. That water explodes out of that rock. And picture yourself with arms wide open, being drenched by God, because God gives life in barren places. When God sent his son Jesus to this earth, it changed everything for all time. Jesus came not just to be a baby, not just so we hope that he comes, but that he did come. And then he died on a cross for our sins. That Jesus made a way to take away our sins so that we could be in right relationship with God. And when he came, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. And that's a name of God that will never change It's not a Christmas name, it's a heaven name, it's for all time, that God is always with us. He is with us in the God moments, he is with us in the wilderness, he is with us every step of our journey. God is with us, and we will never be alone. When Jesus came, it changed everything. And so in these weeks to come, as we look at the different characters from the story, Prepare your heart for his coming. Begin with the hope that we have in Christ. The hope that even when we're in that barren place, God is bringing life. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? We're going to worship the Lord in just a moment and spend some more time thanking him and drawing near to him because that's what Advent is all about. It's coming near, welcoming Jesus as he comes. But I want to pray for you before we worship the Lord. And maybe you're in that barren place of life right now. But God makes life in barren places. And whatever that area of your life is, I want us to pray together and believe together that God is at work and he is bringing life in that barren place. Before we do that, though, I I know it's Christmas season, and I know that it's time to prepare our hearts for Jesus' coming. Jesus came to this earth, not just to be a baby, not just to be a man and do miracles and teach us. The reason he came was to die on a cross for our sins. Sin is what separates us from a relationship with God. But God loved you so much that before you ever knew him or thought of him, he thought of you. And he wanted that relationship with you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus to to come and wash your sins away and to give you his new life. And so I'm just going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me and just begin that new relationship with God. And then I'm going to pray that God just shows up in your barren places. But first, let's get our heart right with God. I don't know everybody here, and you may just be visiting because it's Thanksgiving week and you just happen to be in town visiting family or friends. But today is the day for you to get your heart right with God. And so repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. 
I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Lord, we all are welcoming you this Christmas into our lives for a fresh new touch. God, I thank you that you bring life in barren places. Lord, I just pray for everyone across this sanctuary, every person, every family, for every relationship, for our church, and for our world. God, would you bring your life in our barren places? Where we doubt, where we wonder, where we think it's too late, God, I pray that you would bring life. An abundant life, God. Let us know that you're more than just a God of enough. You are an abundant God. You'll do more than we could ever ask or think. And so, God, please bring life in barren places. And help us to trust you every step of the journey. God, that you are with us, that every moment is a God moment because you are with us and you're going to put everything together for the right place, for the right time. But until that moment, we're just going to, we're going to believe that you have the details covered. We're going to believe that you have a plan. And we're going to believe that you are making life in barren places. And Lord, in the meantime, we will worship you. We will worship you all the days of our life. And so today we worship together now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we worship the Lord?